everybody. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Home Class Movie Chat. We are your hosts, movie fanatics, Kat. And Paul. And we just love to talk about all movies. We certainly do. Now, this week's episode, I, I've i loved this movie. I don't know... I don't know whether it's the fact that I've got a home uh, home cinema that, <laughs> that I can watch this on the <laughs> big screen. That makes you love almost any movie when it you have really a home is, cinema. <laughs> because I don't have to worry about sitting there going, oh, I'd love to have seen this on the big screen. I can watch this anytime on the big screen. You which get is, to see any movie on the big screen, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, it really is awesome. So we're going to go all the way back to June 30th in the year 2000. This movie runs for 130 minutes. Seriously? That's movies that old? Yeah, 23 years. Yeah. <sighs> No, 24 now. 24 years. Sorry. Coming yeah, up 24. on 24, yeah. No, 24 years. I'm, I'm so still in 2023. And now I'm just like, <laughs> it always takes a, a, a while to get used to being in the oh, new year. 2024. So the June this year, it'll be 24 years old. Um, this movie stars George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, Diane Lane, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. What movie Who are we I still about? adore from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. Well, this week's movie is The Perfect Storm. Yes, it is. Fog's just lifting. Throw off your bow line, throw off your stern. Blow your air horn and throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. Guys are busy, you're in charge. You know what? You're a swordboat captain. Can't be good unless you love it. We're going back out. I'm headed east, the Flemish Cap. Can't go away again. Flemish Cap is almost off the charts. That's where the fish are. For God's sake, don't go. Another trip and the Andrea Gale will own you, like she owns Billy Tyne. I got a woman I can't stand to be more than two feet away from. And again, I love to fish. now what did we think about this movie i know from my point of view i love this movie i don't know I really why. i really like this movie it makes me cry it does i think you know the, the last part of the movie um certainly when the whole thing happens and if no one's actually ever seen the perfect storm we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie so please <laughs> yeah. Go and watch it. You will not be disappointed. And in then the movie come back and talk to us. And then come back and listen to us. Now, this movie, the budget of this movie was hundred between 120 and 140 million dollars. It made 328.7 million dollars at the box office. It runs not a for, bad return. Now it runs for 130 minutes, but the, I mean that it seems seems quite long, but it is it's a it, you know, there's it just so much goes going quickly. on. It really does. Um, but I I I do like this movie simply because you know i love the aspect of the way it's all going on what they face in this movie it must have been terrifying for the actual crew members um to go down this path of what actually happened at the end what they experienced it's all it's obviously it's all hypothetical when um the andrea gale leaves gloucester to go um out and and do another run but we don't know exactly what they experienced is all hypothetical what actually they experienced yeah but because they were never nobody was recovered nobody survived the boat was never found Spoiler the crew members alert. were never found so yeah. we don't know but by what the movie depicts it must have been terrifying oh, you know god i can't even imagine 
So, well, speaking of, of terrifying, it was yeah. a miracle that they even got Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio to do the to do this movie because she swore that after doing The Abyss, she would never do another film involving water. But they finally convinced her because all of her scenes were land based. So the director was able to get her on board. But she swore that after The Abyss, there was no way in hell she was going anywhere near water again. Yeah. Now, if anybody wants to is wondering what was so bad with the abyss, there is a documentary. Obviously, it's called "Making of the Abyss." It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's it's not subtitled. It's not different languages. But it, the reason that Mary Elizabeth really went down the path of I don't want to do anything more with water, you know, she had to spend a lot of time in little submersibles, um, in um, uh, like little submarines. A lot of the time, she was always in water. Um, and there was a scene in the abyss where she actually had to be physically exposed and, you know, she was sopping wet. She was the, the, the part of the movie was that she, if no one's ever seen the sopping abyss, please wet, go. freezing cold. Yeah. And she had to be towed back to the, to the, where it was. She was put onto the, this iron girder. They were going along really, really well. Everyone was gelling. The movie was going along really well. They're doing their scene. And then suddenly the cameraman goes, whoops, we're out of film. And she lost it right then and there. I can't say as a blamer. No, and she stormed. I wouldn't off. want to have to do that again. Yeah, and she stormed off the the set, and basically saying, you know, how dare you do this? We're human beings. You can't treat us like this. This is ridiculous. But yeah, they spent a huge amount of time with James Cameron in water all the time, and so I understand why she just decided, no more water for me. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to do it. No, anymore. I don't blame her. So I don't believe. Do not I don't blame her. Don't, in don't the disagree slightest. one little bit at all. So. No. Um, and one person that actually wasn't actually really mentioned in the cast was actually Michael Ironside. Michael mm. Ironside actually plays a guy by the name of Bob Brown, and he's actually the owner of both the Andrea Gale and the Hannah Bowden, which is the one that Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio um, is the captain of, which is uh, Linda Greenlaw. And she's the actual the, the opposing um, captain of the, the, sh- the ships. That they've got all these little um yeah she and billy have a bit of a a rivalry rivalry going on because yeah. she's very she's a very good fisherman um and she manages to get a lot more fish than poor old billy does and this is the the constant uh backwards and forwards between them who's going to get the the best catches it's not a i hate you you hate me scenario no. it's just a really it's, it's a, a very a, friendly competition yeah it's a healthy rivalry yeah you know, about it so but I know that with this, the way that we've got this, um, the format set up with this movie, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie, but I know we've got a whole lot of fun facts about the movie. So Kat's going to let us know about all the fun facts of this movie. Well, I don't know if we'll go over all the fun facts, but we'll do some 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 definite fun stuff. So, okay. for example, let's talk about who else was considered. Okay. The main big role that everybody was in competition for was Captain Billy Tyne, which ultimately went to George Clooney. Yep. So people considered for this role are Mel Gibson. Okay. Harrison Ford, which I know. No. Ed Harris. Oh, yeah. I can see him. Yep. The next one, absolutely no way in hell. Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) No. I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. I love the Italian Stallion. Yeah. But no. No, he couldn't have pulled this one off. Kevin Costner. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Richard Gere, probably nope. not. No. He's not. I love he's, Richard he, Gere. He's too pretty. He, not not so much pretty because George Clooney is dropped it effing gorgeous. Yeah. But... Um, he's He's been like the heartthrob ever since he stepped into ER. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry. There's a bit of drool on the side of your lips there, honey. Just, I'm sorry. Just, I've had a thing for it. George Clooney for 30 years. Um, That's okay. Mention um, Drew Barrymore. Richard we'll is just, he's too soft. Yeah, he is. You know, he's too, um, you know, he's hes like an upper level executive. His hands are too soft. George Clooney really played the hard, rugged um, Yeah, fisherman. the rough and tumble. And the other one is William Hurt. That one I don't see either. I think of all of them that you've mentioned, I can only really see Ed Harris as being the the front runner. I couldn't even see Costner as it. Yeah, not not Costner's got too big of an ego. It's just not no, but it's not quite. I mean, I will never forget when Dances with Wolves won, and I was so happy that it did because it was a beautiful film. Never seen it. But the Oscars that year, um, he won Best Director. 
for Dances with Wolves. And again, we really need to watch and, and do it for this podcast because it is one of my all-time favorite films. Um, but he won for Best Director and he actually brought the Oscar back up with him when he won Best Picture. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'll never forget the moment where he's standing there and he's and he looks like a little kid at Christmas and he just looks down at his hands and he's like, I can't believe it. I got two. I I think the only thing with Costner that I I think we all got sick to death. You're thinking Waterworld. No, that was a giant steaming disaster, pile of number twos. Yeah. And it was a disaster. But the fact is that Costner seems to have to have hung his career on Dances with Wolves. Every time you would hear a movie coming out, even okay, even with Waterworld, even Waterworld came up. You know, the director and winner of Best Picture and Best Actor, whatever is in with Dances with Wolves, Kevin Costner. That's it would always well, follow his name. And it you have to understand this is a big deal because oh. He, it, it was his directing debut. Yeah, I don't. And he just... won Best Director and Best Picture. Yeah, look, I don't... And he starred in it. That, you I know. know, usually people can't do that. I don't disagree that it was, I mean, as I said, I cannot say anything because I haven't seen the movie. You but, have got to see this movie. But, I uh, love but this movie so much. Kevin Costner, I just couldn't yeah. see. Okay, but that said, yeah. um, so he, and and also Tommy Lee Jones was considered for, for Billy, no. Captain Billy. No. And but I think they made absolutely the right choice choice in George Clooney. Uh, Mel Gibson ultimately wanted too much money and was busy with the Patriot, was re- which was released on the same day as The Perfect Storm. Harrison yeah. Ford was busy with What Lies Beneath, which I didn't even realize he was in that. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't a good movie. I've, now, I've seen it. It's ben forgiven. Affleck was originally considered for the role that was taken by Mark Wahlberg. Mm. which was Bobby Shatford. Yeah, Bobby, yeah. And I, I love know. the fact that Bobby Shat that that Mark Wahlberg actually stayed in Bobby Shatford's room above the Crow's Nest bar and even checked IDs at the door one night getting ready for his his, his role. Part. Yeah. That's, and I that's love that. Awesome. Now, the other thing that I love is can all alternately considered for Bobby Shatford was Nicolas Cage. No. Which I don't think would have worked. No, it wouldn't have Ultimately, worked. he was busy with Gone in 60 Seconds, so he couldn't do it. Gone in 60 Seconds was a great movie uh, with uh, Nick Cage, but he Never wouldn't have it. been. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, I showed I you it. Yeah. Don't with remember. Angelina Jolie, the, the guys that are stealing all the cars. All right, we have to watch it again. Okay. Um, now, George Clooney actually was considered for another role, but Wolfgang Peterson, the director, wanted him as Captain Billy, and therefore he got what he wanted. Yeah, I think they made a great casting choice in George Clooney, and I will give credit where it's due, and I will say it until the cows come home. You know, I first I remember Mark Wahlberg being a rap star, you know, and yeah. A singer and the fact that he was able to transition from that to an a-grade celebrity actor is amazing that's impressive and i give my my hat i'd take my hat off to him he is an amazing actor i don't think there's and he wasn't a bad singer either no he is i mean i'm not a fan of rap but his neither am i wasn't bad but he's a singer um but being able to transition that way i mean you look at like Dwayne the Rock Johnson going from wrestling to being an A grade uh, celebrity actor. You know, very few people can go from one to another, and these two have done it brilliantly. So, yeah. hats off to Mark Wahlberg. I, I I really like M- Mark Wahlberg's character, Billy. Um, oh no, Bobby. Uh, I think Bobby is just yeah. yeah and his relationship with Diane Lane was gorgeous in this, and you can see it. It's not yeah. one of those forced sort of like no. relationships where you sit there and go. Yeah, I don't believe these two are in are in a relationship. It's like you can see it. These two, yeah, are that you actually believed their relationship. Yeah, the roles are so they are so suited as playing off against each other. Now, I would like to point out that director Wolfgang Peterson is an animal rights supporter, and none of the fish in the movie were real. They okay. were all either rubber or animatronic. So the rubber for the dead fish or animatronic for the live fish. But there was no actual, no animals of any kind were harmed in this film. Well, I'm telling you, telling you what, you know, you would, you would, I mean, it's hard pressed to tell me that it didn't look like real fish or yeah, a they real really shark. Because there is a, there is a point oh, where yeah, there's the a shark. Yeah. There's a point where there's a rogue wave that comes onto the boat. And as the rogue wave then, oh no, it wasn't the rogue wave. It's they, they they're pulling up, they're, they're trying to, 
they're obviously they're fishing for swordfish and they get a, a bite on one of the, the lines and and um billy captain billy is like man this is something really really heavy so they're off ready to go and of course as they go to pull this thing up on board the boat a wave happens to push them help back a little the, bit help it into the boat and the boat comes and the shark comes directly towards bobby and bobby's trying to kick it away and billy and uh, captain billy runs to get the shotgun and as he's trying to kick it away at one stage the shark just opens his mouth at just the right time and gets and a hold of bobby's on his, uh, leg. on his ankle and yeah. starts to bite his ankle and so and you're just like yeah, but you can tell me that didn't look like a real shark. Oh, I have to say, animatronic sharks have come a long way since Jaws. We've got to get a bigger boat. <laughs> Jaws is measured on what not to do with regards to how um, sharks should look. I mean, I although, lo- although I have I to like say, I have Jaws, seen the but... actual shark from Jaws. Yeah. And like I toured Universal? Universal Studios. It came up and went looked like it was going to bite our tour group. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. It was fun. But I'll say that. Yeah, I like Jaws. I like Jaws the movie, but the shark was terrible. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Michael Ironside a little yeah. earlier is the owner of the one who plays, who owns the two boats. Yeah. Uh, Bob Brown. And yeah. apparently in town, he was mistaken for the character he plays by one of the town locals. So apparently he really looks like Bob Brown. Really? Yeah. Oh, I like that. I thought that was fun. Now, one of my favorite parts of this entire movie Mm -hmm. is the relationship between, um, oh, I can't think of his name, Michael and Irene. Oh, so that one. So Michael uh, Michael, is. Yeah, Michael. uh, is a single guy who's working on the ship and he hangs out at the bar because he doesn't have anybody to go home to. And this woman, Irene happens to come into the bar. She's got like two kids or whatever. Yeah. His name is actually, they actually call him Bugsy. Bugsy. That's right. Yeah. But she refused to call him that. And she's like, well, what seriously, what's your name? And he says, Michael. And she's like, I will call you Michael. And, And he and she thought he was just trying to pick her up and have sex and have a one night stand. And she's like, "Look, I've got kids. I, I'm not. I'm not doing this." Mm-hmm. And he revealed that behind this, you know, macho trying to be macho facade, he was this really lovely, thoughtful, kind person. Yeah. And she saw through all of this bravado. And him trying to be one of the guys and realized what a really lovely person he was. Yeah. And they and and they started to have this relationship and fully planned to develop a, a true loving relationship when he got home. Yeah, because I, I remember one part of the movie where you're seeing that when the Hannah Bowden and the Andrea Gale come back from their fishing voyage to begin with, you know, everyone's being met on the on the dock and stuff like that. And you can see that Michael's just so upset that nobody has ever yeah. come to say welcome home from from the from the sea yeah and when they're doing the turnaround and going back out to get some more fish this is where irene comes to the to the dock on the morning that they're leaving to say goodbye to him and he goes wow i've never had anyone say goodbye to me and he goes oh i really wish it was nighttime that way i could say good night irene and she goes, <laughs> good and she night, goes irene. yeah and she goes that's okay that'll come later yeah and it's like wow and even when they're steaming back to try and get back to the uh, after they're working at how much money this this catch is going to make, he's even saying, "I'm going to go and buy a Ford F50 and take Irene up the coast, and we're going to have a great time up there." So he was already making plans. Yeah, he was really seeing a nice. life with this woman, and I think yeah. she was starting to see one with him. Yeah, because he was he did have that facade of like, "My name's Bugsy. I'm this and that, and I'm trying yeah. to portray this." But it's like, no, as you said, underneath that, he's a really great guy. Yeah. You know, because he was trying to be guy. one of the guys. He was trying to fit in, and then he found Irene, yeah. and that, and it's still just talking about it. You can hear it. Yeah, and it still makes me cry because I just my heart just breaks. Yeah, for it's both un- of them. It's really but the thing that kills me is she's the only made up character in the whole damn movie. She's a made up character. Damn. She's a made up character. She's Would've the been... only one that doesn't exist from the from the story. Would have been nice if this was actually true. Yeah. There is another member of the crew by the name of Alfred P- Alfred Pierre, um, but he doesn't really factor a huge amount in the movie itself. Um, yeah. Now, one of the inspirations for this movie, okay, mm. so it is based on a true story, but it does take a lot of artistic license. Yeah. So a lot of the things are not necessarily as they happened. 
but I did find it really interesting that the the writer Sebastian Junger dreamed that he was in the wheelhouse with Billy Tyne during a storm, and this dream terrified him absolutely terrified him, and it's actually part of what helped him write the story of the perfect storm. Yeah, well, that's understandable with what the guys actually go through, with what you see and what you could imagine what they were they were going yeah. through. Now, filming of this. The three days of exterior shots were filmed on the edge of Hurricane Floyd as it was going through the area for the early portions of the storm. Mm -hmm. The storm in the movie was formed by the remnants of Hurricane Grace in late October and early November of 1991. And the first scene of the movie shows the wall listing the fishermen lost at sea throughout the centuries. As well, one of the crewmen crew members mentions that he's got getting a bad feeling as several bad things have happened since they set out that did seem to almost be a precursor and a harbinger of the doom of, of what ultimately came. Yeah. And we'll get into the, the opening scenes of the movie as well about what actually had happened. But there was also, you know, we were talking a little bit about Diane Lane and I will forever. And I'm sorry, I will forever. I mean, I know I love her in, um, Oh my God! What's the one that we always watch? Under the Tuscan Sun. Under the Tuscan Sun. I, I love know, her I love in that. that movie so much. But the one movie that absolutely melted my heart into the floor, and I absolutely loved and adored Diane Lane from the moment I saw her. She was actually played um, uh, a rock and roll singer in Streets of Fire, and oh, oh my okay. God, she was she. Her name was Ellen Aim in um, Streets of Fire, and oh my God. If I had it, I mean, I, I've always had a crush on like Molly Ringwald or, you know, um, yes, Drew Barry or Drew Barrymore, but Diane Lane was a close third along with Deborah Foreman. <laughs> and didn't, wasn't she also in Must Love Dogs? No, that was Janine Garofalo. No. Yes. Janine Garofalo was, oh, uh, no, that was the truth about cats and dogs. Yeah. No, Must Love Dogs. Yeah. She was in that. Yeah. I thought so. On Cusack. Yeah, that one came out after Under the Tuscan Sun, and it didn't quite capture the, mag the magic in the bottle. No, it didn't. You couldn't capture lightning in the bottle, unfortunately. But you know, it's that... still a decent movie, but it yeah. wasn't anywhere near as good as Under the Tuscan Sun. Yeah, we have to do. We have to do, watch over we and have over. to buy the movie um, The Truth About Cats and Dogs. I think that's a great one to do. As yeah, well, I like that one. Yeah. So we're we gonna. Uh, do you have any more fun facts, or should we could jump straight into the movie? Um, I've got a little bit at the end, but I want to talk about that. Um, at the end, at the end. Okay. and then just a little bit about the crow's nest bar. Okay, so really, what we're seeing at the opening of this film is we're seeing the Hannah Bowden and Andrea Gale coming back from from their their run of trying to get fish, and unfortunately, we find out that Billy Tyne's catch is way lower than Linda Greenlaw's, which and actually was a really decent catch. They made it, it sound very... like it was nothing, but it was actually a really good catch. Yeah, it was really, really good. And even uh, Bob, Bob, what's his name? Brown, what's his name? Bob Einstein's character. I don't Bob know. I already did oh, Bob Brown, me. Bob Brown. <laughs> you know, he was, because apparently on, on board um, the Hannah Bowden, one of the crew members passed away and, uh, you oh, know. Yeah, that's right. The older gentleman, Linda Greenlaw was like, you know, I'll, I'll, pay for his funeral and stuff like that but really bob brown is like you know oh that's a, such a shame what's the numbers and we also find out the poor billy tines catches way lower than than um linda's and uh which is so, part of what they're they're and i think that's where the competitive the, it, relationship it's, it's a great little rivalry you know and even when we're seeing that they're all getting their their paychecks we're finding out that there's the paychecks are rather quite low and even even bobby says well i should be should have actually got x amount of money and we find out that no this is you're a rookie and you're only getting a small amount of money and stuff like that and this is where i think the turnaround starts to happen is because Bob Brown says to Billy, um, Captain Billy, oh, you know, well, maybe next time we should go and follow Linda. She'll take you where the fish is. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, uh, well, he goes, well, okay, well, next time I go out, I'll go further. And he's like, well, no, you're not going to go any further because I want my boat back. We well, really find out. And he's like, well, I, I want to catch some fish. And of course, Bob's like, yeah, well, you haven't been catching it lately. So this is where I think the turnaround really starts to happen. Yeah, this is why this whole thing happened, that yeah. they went out past where they normally would and ended up getting caught in the storm coming back. Yeah. Um, so they really, you know, they're having a great celebration. They've all come back from the from, you know, being away at sea and they've all had, you know, they're reconnecting with their families and their friends and stuff like that. But we do see that, unfortunately, Billy has decided that he's going to do what Linda Greenlaw has said is a turnaround, which is they only come out, come basically on, on land 
for about three days and then they're back on board the ship and they're going to go out to get another catch. Yeah. Now you can Although almost... working on a cruise ship turnaround day, you're, you're in and out in one day. Yeah. But this is it. Cause they've got to restock and they've got to yeah, get I the fuel. And... But we take but... care of it all in one day. In, yeah. In I know you guys six, do seven hours. Yeah. But then again, you got triple the amount of staff on the, yeah. on board. Yeah, exactly. But it was really, really telling. And I think this is where one of the guys, he actually says to, to Billy, you know, um, are you think about going out again, Skipper? And he says, well, yeah, but why? What are you asking for? And he goes, oh, well, I don't really, I really don't want to go to the Grand Banks again. And he goes, oh, have you got another site lined up? And he goes, well, yeah, I've got a, a site down in Florida. And he goes, okay, well, then just basically pack your stuff and go. Because he says, well, you you might try the, going to Florida. And he goes, yeah, well, it's be, it beats the Grand Banks in October. And, yeah, when the whole thing, and when the whole thing happens and you find out that the Andrea Gale is does become you know in the missing category you can almost see the part of that guy is sitting there going oh thank god i'm not not on board the boat but then there's the part of him that you can sit there and go oh i am such a shit like i i should have actually been all of my friends are there yeah and i skipped out on on that so really his his decision and basically to bring sully onto the ship and actually this guy loses his spot it was this it was the saving grace well it was it was like um the guy who ended up giving up his seat on the plane to um, La Bamba. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Richie Valens was was the one. That, so it was it Richie was, Valens, the big bopper, and Buddy Holly were on the plane. There was another guy that that. Oh, yeah, the country, um, the country wits country. Singer. Yeah. The, yeah. What Waylon? No, was it was Waylon Jennings? Jennings. Yeah, it was was was, was way yeah. because um Frank uh Richie Valens had a really bad cold and the heat was out on the tour bus so he let him take his spot on the plane so he could get there faster get to the hotel and hopefully get over his cold yeah and but he that, ended up losing but that his coin life. toss was amazing because yeah. I because the in the story if you've never seen La Bamba the the the, toy, the coin toss is Richie says you know wow this is the very first coin toss I've ever won not knowing the fact that that coin toss was going to kill him yeah. But Waylon Jennings could have actually gone in place of Richie Valens. But, but Waylon Jennings had survivor's guilt for decades after that. And oh, I'm I can sure imagine. that this guy who decided not to go on the the return trip of the Andrea Gale kind of felt the same way for the other guy that ended up taking his spot. And I think that's when you see that scene where he's sitting at the bar and they say the Andrea Gale is missing. You You get that. Yeah, the, the camera zooms in on him, but you can see part of him is is got there. One part of him is relieved, and the other part is so much guilt. Why did yeah. I? Why did I not? Because go it there? should have been me on there. Yeah. Now a couple of other members of the crew, Murph. Um, he's John C. Riley, really great guy, but he's got a very rocky relationship with a guy by the name of Sully, and that was they basically had an they've had an argument, an ongoing feud going on. So putting those two together on a boat they can't get off of was oh. a really really bad idea you know yeah. but uh so billy comes to um, the guys and says we're going to do a turnaround and of course this is where diane lane's character says to bobby so what are you going to do and he's like oh what do you think i'm going to do i'm going to tell him to shove his side up his ass and i like it how sully uh, murph goes yeah i'd really like to see that <laughs> and, <I> call yeah. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes yeah you go and tell him and of course bobby's just sitting there and he goes and of course murph goes Yep, that's exactly how I'm going to tell him to. Yep, <laughs> which is basically I'm not telling him at all because nobody nobody stands up to Captain Billy. <laughs> no, no, they don't want to say no to Captain. He's a bit Billy. of a bully. He is. Um, so they do happen to get back on the board of the boat and they actually start taking off, and they're heading out to the Grand Banks. But of course, they just strike they just strike out again, and a lot of the guys are just like, we just you know we're not hitting any numbers, we're not getting any fish. We're, what are we going to do? Well, the numbers suck. We just got no idea. And he goes, well, yeah, well, that's okay. Grand Banks is west of us. I'm traveling east. And these, they're like, so where are we going? And he's like, we're going to go to the Flemish Cap, which is the biggest amount of fish that you've ever seen. Yeah. And even one of the old um, sailors in the, in, the, um, in the bar says to the group of people sitting there, yeah, I went to the Flemish Caps once. There was huge amounts of fish, but huge amounts of weather out there as well. Yeah. And unfortunately, as we're seeing that, you know, you know, I don't know why the Hannah Bowden decided to do a turnaround either, but the Hannah Bowden decided to go and do a turnaround, but she didn't go. She only went she as far as the Grand so Banks. Out. Yeah. She went to the Grand Banks and that was basically it. But and she, she always gets lucky. So, yeah. 
but she even radioed Billy to ask him where the hell he was, and and he gave him her coordinates, and she's like, "Really, you're going to the Flemish Caps?" And he's like, "Yeah, wow, you really know your coordinates." But the fact is that there is a whole lot of storm that's happening, and you were t- telling about the hurricane that was going on, and one of the very very big telling things that um, Captain Billy says to Linda is she says, well, you know, there's so much weather going on. And he goes, yeah, but your weather's behind me. I'm ahead of it. And she goes, yeah, but you've got to come through it to get back to where I am. And you just see that moment where Billy goes, yeah, good point. Oh, well, we don't worry about it now. We, yeah. we, it's just not going to well, bother us. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, not not unfortunately, but fortunately for Billy, he does an amazing job this time of getting the fish. Like he was, oh man, you know, pulling so fish much in so the that the compressor on the freezer goes out. Yeah, but it, but Michael um, Bugsy actually did say that the owner of the boat, Bob Brown, had actually they'd actually he had actually said to the owner, "Listen, we need a new air compressor. We need a new new compressor for the freezer." And he went for an overhaul. Yeah. which is unfortunately, and this is where the whole thing starts to fall apart. Now, we've had a rogue wave that's hit the hit the boat. We've had a shark that's been accidentally brought onto the boat. So everyone starts to get a really, really bad feeling. And even Captain Billy says to, to Bobby, you know, are you you're saying you're getting a bad feeling or is it just because you want that hot mama that actually, let, you know, you saw off at the uh, at the boat, at, now, the, at the docks? While these guys are out doing all of this, it goes back to land and you see that because uh, the owner of the crow's nest is uh, Bobby, Bobby's mother. Bobby's mother. Yeah. And she and Diane Ladd's character are really close Diane because Lane. she's married to her son. Or yeah. Diane Lane's character are very close because she's married to her son. Yeah, Diane Ladd was one of the uh, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they weren't married. Well, whatever. They were. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Diane Lane got an apartment and is going to be their first home together. Yeah. And you see Bobby's mother there with her helping her paint and put up curtains and make it real homey. Yeah. And, and saying just, that you are. Your heart. Yeah. Cause she was like, you know, um, you know, Diane Lane's character is like, you know, I'm really, we're really going to make a go of it. This is going to be amazing. And she's like, you yeah. know, and, and his mother is like, you know, he's my precious boy and you're the woman for him. For yeah. Him. And you really see because at one stage when when Bobby goes back on to the boat, board the boat and they're getting their stuff organized in their bunk beds, he opens up his rugsack and he sees a little note. And the note is that she wrote this note on some on some like a receipt from two pillows that they bought. She bought it at Penny's to basically say that guess what? We've got our own apartment when you get yeah, your back. Pl- your home's going to be waiting for you when you get home. Yeah. Well, when they came back at the first time before they did the turnaround at the beginning of the film, the way that she greeted him on the dock when she just, yeah. comes, you know, it reminds me of the, <laughs> the end of love actually yeah. when Natalie comes flying through the airport and wraps herself around the prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anyone doesn't understand how she actually welcomed him back, she basically jumped into his arms and wrapped her legs around his, his, uh, his stomach. And, she and, was, and, kiss, and, and kissed him kissed madly. Him and, and just, yeah. yeah. So and it was the was, sa- and and it was the same way with her greeting of Bobby. Yeah. So that's the whole thing, and and I yeah. think that and they were also living at that time above the crow's nest, so they had to yeah. deal with all the patrons above the you know below the crow's nest getting drunk and everything. So yeah, when so you a- see so that actually, gonna... this apartment is beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the crow's nest for just yeah. a second while we're yeah, while we're paused here. So the crow's nest is an actual bar in Gloucester. I got to go there. But it's actually on Main Street in downtown Gloucester, not on the wharf, as they show in the film. A fake crow's nest bar was built for the movie near the dock a little way down the street from the actual crow's nest. This decision was based on the fact that the entrance to the real crow's nest is little more than a door in a nondescript brick wall and is not appealing for cinema purposes the fake crow's nest allowed for exterior shots with the cast without issue so if the producers had used the real crow's nest traffic in downtown gloucester would have had to be stopped for the purposes of filming the the outdoor shots of the crow's nest oh okay so it also allowed for the dramatic shot of chris looking out of the window at a stormy harbor the harbor cannot actually be seen very well from the real crow's nest now, Legal Seafoods is a Boston-based restaurant. If you've never been there, it's amazing. I highly I wa- recommend. I walked past that. It's honestly one of the best restaurants in Boston, and I have been there. It's wonderful. 
So they actually purchased the Lady Grace, which was the ship that was used at, to be the Andrea Gale in the film. Mm-hmm. While it was in Gloucester, um, a flo- as a floating memorial to fishermen who have lost their life for a while, it was in Gloucester as a floating memorial to fishermen who've lost their lives at sea. It was later sold to a commercial fishing operation, then ravaged by fire. And unfortunately, its current location and disposition are not known. Wow. But, you know, I, I, I definitely when I go back to Boston, I want to go to Gloucester. I will take you to Legal Seafoods. And I want to go to, Glo- to and Gloucester. I Gloucester. Definitely yep, want to go yep, there. Definitely. And I want to go under the dock and, and see. I'll take the, you to Plymouth too. Boats, yeah. And, and show you Plymouth Rock, which is basically a big hole with a rock. Fantastic. I'll do that one. But yeah, so we're seeing that, you know, she's organizing this apartment and it, it looks absolutely beautiful. And we're also seeing this is intercut with the fact that we're getting weather updates about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's a weather reporter in um, a news station in Boston saying that he's tracking this storm that's coming from, I think, the Arctic. And then he's got another one that's tracking a hurricane that's coming off of from Bermuda. So he's And then based... another one that's coming through the Atlantic. So and the three of them are coming together in what yeah. he calls a perfect storm. Yeah, because he once said, in a once in a century perfect storm. Yeah, and he says if these things collide, God knows what's going to happen. Yep. So we're seeing that Billy is out on on uh, on the water, getting all this, you know, all the fish. This together amazing from, hall, yeah, like the, the hall of a lifetime. Yeah, from the Flemish caps, and this is where, as I said, Linda does say, "Well, hang on a minute, you've got to get through the storm to get back to where you are," because he's like, you know. But the only reason that he has to make it back is because when the compressor breaks down and there's no more ice at all, they yeah, can't. Otherwise, you know, they could have just stayed out there, rode out the storm, and then come back after it was done. Yeah. But we're seeing that, you know, the compressor gives out the ghost. And of course, you know, this is where Billy says to. And all um, of the ice they have is going to start melting. Yeah. And Billy says to Bugs, you know, well, what the hell are we going to do? And he goes, that's it. We're done. And we he, go home. And of course, this is where Billy does say to the crew. Okay, we've got one of two options now. There is a storm. It is massive. It is enormous out there. We've got one of two options. Stay out here and ride it out and then make it back. So we stay out here for two or three days. Or we say, screw it and power through it. And because all of them are like, well, hang on a minute. This is like, you know, huge amounts of fish. If we, What are we going to do? Just let it spoil and feed it to the birds? We were going to, and as, as they said, we want to go back to the wharf and actually set the market. And this would have actually been setting the market huge time. I mean, these guys are looking at ten, fifteen thousand dollars each easy for the amount of easily they've got. So it's like what you know, and these guys are saying that we're gonna they're gonna be buying cars and they're gonna be doing this and that. So they've got the whole idea of like, no, screw it, let's go motoring through it, which they ultimately unfortunately is their undoing. And it's not anything to do with them. If the compressor on the refrigerator hadn't have given out. They, they could have waited it out. They could have waited it out. Yeah. But unfortunately, we see that so they it was do. really on the head of Bob Brown. It really was. Um, so they do decide to make the turnaround. And of course, unfortunately, the Andrea Gale loses contact with, yeah. with the harbor and they've got no way of finding out. Which I get them doing and not wanting to let it go to waste and miss out on all of this hard work that they've just done. I get that. And there was no way for them to know just how bad that storm was. Yeah. And as they said, it was a once in a hundred years triple storm. They had no way of knowing any of that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to know exactly what sort of waves these guys were facing. So the Andrea Gay was experiencing 30 foot waves and winds anywhere between 50 to 80 knots. Which, which is, is 50, not completely uncommon. Which is 58 to 92 miles an hour around the time of the last communication. Um, now, it says that the conditions, though threatening, were probably not unfamiliar to Billy Tyne. Exactly. Who had been a successful fisherman for about a decade on other vessels, taking trips to the Grand Banks and fishing off of Florida, the Carolinas, and elsewhere. The investigative report did, however, mention a boy off the coast of Nova Scotia Reading, uh, sorry, recording a, a record wave height of 100.7 feet, which is 30.7 meters high. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, as we're seeing, these guys are being absolutely pounded by the waves. I mean, these, you know, they are, they're trying to go through it. And, and, okay. You know, so that wave, 30 meters, was actually just a little bit longer than the length of our house block in height. Yeah. So it's it's our height in it's our house in length. Yeah. But the so, height. so from the street to the fence to the back. So fence. so basically, it's like four times the height. Yeah. Yeah. 
So these so guys, because because our our lot is ten meters by thirty. Yeah. So 10, 20, so yeah, so, so three times yeah. the, the so height three of our times house. the width of our, our block. Yeah. Yeah. So That's we're seeing big. these guys are getting absolutely pounded with waves. The winds are going crazy. They're trying to secure things down that are breaking. The antenna's already been broken off. They've got no contact. The last communication that Andrea Gale sent to anyone, which was the Hannah Bowden, basically said to them that, you know, we are actually steaming back at full speed towards you. And she's like, well, hang on a minute. You're coming right in the center of the monster. Like this thing is, yeah. this, this it's going to eat you alive. This thing's exploding. Get the hell out of there. Don't come this way. Just let, and as she says, you know, turn the boat around and let the wind carry you out. Don't come through this way because by the time it gets to where you are, it might dissipate. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yes. You're going to lose all the spoils of the fish, but you know, and at one it's stage, better than your life. Yeah. But as we see when, when Billy is going through, you know, he even says at one stage, you know, okay, let's, we, we can't make it through. It's, it's not going to happen. We're not going to, so what we're going to do is we're just going to do this turn and let make the turn, which is extremely dangerous and just let the wind carry us out. And he said, we'll come back again one day for the, for the Flemish caps and we'll do another fish here. And all the guys are like, you know what? Screw it. That's fine. We can do this because we don't want to die. They do, they make the turn. It's all wonderful. You think, oh my God, fantastic. They actually made it. That was the turn that they were they were wanting to do. And they were going to decide to ride it out. They weren't going to go back any further. They just couldn't make it. So as they're going through. But unf unfortunately, it didn't but, quite work out that way. But of course, Billy, Billy actually says, you know, um, and everyone's very, very excited about the fact that there's a good chance we can make it through this. And even Bobby says, what do you think we, what, what's going to happen? And he goes, well, he said, it's okay. Well, the speed we're going, we just have to make it through till morning. We should be fine. We can make it through. And he's like, he's like, okay, that's fine. Everyone's getting a bit excited about the fact that we can make it through. And as we're seeing, the dawn is starting to break and you get a glimpse of sun. And you think it's going to be okay. And everyone, and of course, you just see the wind just, just starting to die down. And everyone's like, oh my God, we've made it. We've actually made it through. But what they don't and, realize is they're just in the eye of one of the storms. Yeah. And Billy's. You know, he they're all drenched, they're all exhausted, they've gone through this for the entire night, and he's holding the the, the wheel. Oh, yeah, because at one point one of the guys actually got swept over. Yeah. He, he got did. caught in the wire in the cabling and, and he, got and he taken threw over. over. Yeah. So he they they've got the they've made the turns all working well. They're going through the sun's coming out. It's like, oh my God, we've made it. And he's like, Oh, oh thank God. And everyone watching this movie would sit there and go, Oh my god, thank God. And then it starts to get gray again. And then it goes, it comes back. And the up wind again. starts to pick up and the waves start to pick up. And even this is even when um, Billy says, she's not going to let us out. Like yeah. this is not going to happen. We can't make this. It's not going it, to, we just can't make it back. And as they're going through, they're going over wave after wave after wave. And, you know, Bobby and Billy saying to Bobby, okay, when I want to give you the signal, go the thing full throttle, we've got to keep the, the thing going. But unfortunately, as we're seeing the last push to try and get out of this, there's this wave that would be, as you said, 30 to 40 meters high coming directly in front no, of No, that them. was the one that was probably more like 100 meters high. Oh, 100 meters. Um, and it was they, three, three to four times the size of what they had been battling. Yeah. Um, and they're literally going up the face of this wave. I mean, so much, so much so that they are vertical now at this stage. And you think you just need to get over this lip of this this wave yeah. and you'll be fine. But unfortunately it actually crashes on the boat and flips them backwards, oh. sinking the boat. I can't and even imagine. now this is only speculation of what, what happened, but in the movie we see that they're now upside down. The water's coming into the boat and Bobby actually says to Billy, so how do we do this skipper? And he goes, there's no class in this. There never was. Yeah. I've got no idea. This he doesn't said, happen. He said, I'm just, I'm sorry. I got you into this, but there is no school for this. We don't, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. So we see that a lot of the guys have decided that they're one of the guys goes into the engine room and he's he was actually Sully, the, the guy that uh, took the position of the other guy. He was you could see him crying about the fact that he was going to die. One of the guys, um, Bugs, uh, not Bugsy, um, the other guy, what was the guy that has the the child, Murph? He actually, oh, yeah, he's actually with one of the guys, I think it was with um, uh, Pierre. And he's like, uh, with Alfred Pierre, and he goes, oh, it's gonna, this is going to be hard on my little boy because he never said goodbye to his son. And Yeah, and the little boy had wanted to come with him, and he's like, yeah. not this time. Yeah. And Ugh. 
Yeah, I'd when, forgotten about him and the little boy. Oh, yeah. heartbreaking. And, and of course, Bob uh, Billy says to Bobby, come on, let's get out of here. And it's tradition for the captain to go down with the ship. So as we see that Billy um, gets Bobby out of the, the situation, we see that Billy goes back into the ship. So he's actually obviously going to go down with the with the, 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 uh, with the the boat. Well, it's we not see, like there's anywhere for them to go. No, we see that Bobby breaks the top of the water and now he's in the middle of the storm. And he's got no life vest, no nothing. He's just there with his jacket on and he's with this huge amounts of wave. And this is probably one of the most heartbreaking parts of the movie or the second most heartbreaking. There was, there's one coming up when he is saying in his mind, he's saying to his girlfriend, Christina, and he goes, can you hear me, Christina? Mm. He said, I'm, I'm here with you. He said, there's only love, Christina. There's no goodbyes. There's no sorrow. There's only love. And then you see suddenly Billy is swept away into this huge amount of water. And one of the scenes that the most telling about it is that you see after everything's done, we've had the Coast Guard gone out to try and find the, the boat. They can't find him. And you see that Bobby, uh, Bobby's mum and Christina are sitting along the, the side of the water watching the ocean. And um, she says to the mother, you know, I had a dream last night about Bobby that, you know, he came to me in this dream and he said, she said, you know, it's the same thing. She said, I asked, hey, Bobby, you know, where are you? Where have you been? And he doesn't answer me. But I know that when he goes, he's happy, that he's okay, that it's he's he's safe, he's he'll, he'll be fine. And it starts to break the mother down, and she actually says, "I love your dream." So it's really, it's two ladies now having to cope with the fact that this the the this guy that they loved and adored is now gone, and it's just so un, up, upsetting that Bobby never got to see his apartment, never got to be with Christina. You know, who knows what would have. And happened. I'm not talking because I'm crying again. I know. Um, and the last part of the movie we see. No, I'm is... just telling the listeners that that's why yeah. I'm letting him do all the talking is I'm crying and you don't want to listen to me blubber on. I know. This, la- this movie makes me cry almost as much as Everest did. I know. And the last part of the movie we see is the Hannah Bowden going back out. And there was a little um, spiel that um, Bobby, uh, the Billy would actually say about going past Rocky Point and with the big old dump ducks that would come up and, you know, that you're the, the the sword boat captain and the guys are working on the deck and, you know, this is the best thing you've ever done and this is the greatest thing you, you'll do. And, you know, it's a really lovely sort of ending to the movie as we're seeing the Hannah Bowden going back out to, um obviously, to the Grand Banks to fish again. But the movie then goes black and the, the, the credits come up and that's the end of the perfect Yeah, storm, at the but... end of the movie, George Clooney narrates, as he's narrating at the end of the film, he mentions blow your air horn and you throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. Yeah. Unfortunately, the lighthouse shown during the scene is not Thatcher Island, but in fact, the Eastern Point Lighthouse, because Thatcher Island has twin lighthouses that look nothing like the one in the film. Oh. <laughs> Well, as I said, this is all, you know, a lot of the, the stories are made up. I mean, nobody yeah, knows. Yeah, well, they took some poetic license, and yeah. that's okay. Nobody knows, nobody knows what happened on Andrea but, Gale. But that being said, um, they do show the memorial that is done for the, yes. for the men that were lost. Yeah. And toward the end of Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio's emotional speech in the church at Gloucester, her microphone actually picked up her pounding heartbeat. Her heart was racing. Really? During that speech. And the director liked it so much, it, was, it remains audible on the soundtrack if you listen closely. God, I, I'll have to watch that movie again, listen very yeah. closely to it. But, you know, it really is uh, an amazing, amazing movie. You will go through an enormous amount of um, emotional uh, situations in the movie. I mean, you know, there's only ever been one movie that I can recall that even that got my heart to a degree that I was like exhausted by the end of the movie and that was the remake of the hills have eyes it was like by the by the time the end of the movie finishes i'm like oh my god i'm so glad that's over because i'm exhausted watching the movie because your heart is pounding so much but you know you i mean even even the news reporter the weatherman is, is sitting there and when the storms actually collide you actually see him watching the screen going oh my god it's actually happening like this is a once in a century thing that's happening or once in a decade yeah. that's happening and yeah. this is actually crashed they're, they're actually exploding no, it's once in a hundred years hundred years a hundred year storm um so really it, it's a very very it's a movie that between you know zero to five movie reels but zero being 
wait a minute. One I've of got the to... things that I like about it, talking yeah. about the emotional roller coaster of it, is that it is. It's not like Indiana Jones and the the second Indiana Jones movie, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Thank you. Where it just keeps going up, 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 and it doesn't rest. This one is like it gets you like ah, and then it gives you a little bit of a break, and then there's another ah, and then it gives you a little bit of break. So yeah. it gives you these these peaks and valleys, so that it's not just constant stress. Yeah. And it's really I, the, the director should really be proud of himself because it, it it really takes you on an incredible emotional journey. I mean, even Alfred Pierre, that doesn't really say a great deal in the movie. I mean, he doesn't have a huge amount of lines, but it really shows you the way that he was acting because at one stage, you know, the guys are on board the ship and they're heading back towards land. And you can see that in the distance there is the very, very, very dark clouds and the thunder and lightning and everything that's going on. And they're all, you know, Billy says, okay, Bobby, I want you up in the in the control room with me. Everyone get down below. And as Alfred Pierre goes to walk, you know, from the, the deck down below, he there was a huge flash of lightning. And you see it in his face going, this is the worst idea in the history of bad ideas to go yeah. through this shit. Yep. Because he could even see what was going to happen. It was so dangerous. That yep. it was yeah you know, going through this this um storm and it was just the the the, the emotional as Kat said the emotions of this movie the way it does it is like oh you know, it yeah it just it's heart pounding so between the zero to five movie reels zero being how do I get the last one hundred and thirty minutes of my life back to five it was a perfect movie and I'd watch it all over again what would you give this score of the movie this is a very rare thing for me but I would give it five. Me too. Five out of five. Wouldn't even hesitate. Yeah. I like it so much. It's it's just, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's a perfect movie. Perfect yeah. storm, perfect movie, um, <laughs> which is a great segue. Um, but it really is. I, it's not a movie that I'd sit there and go, you're going to be looking at your, your clock or you're going to be looking at your phone. You are so engaged in yeah. the movie of everything that's going on in this movie that it makes you just sit there and go, yep, I really like this movie. The soundtrack is amazing. The visuals are spectacular and the and make the sure acting, you bring your tissues. Yeah. And the acting is second to none. I think all the actors that are there are really great yeah. actors. And I and I take my hats off to each and every one of them. They made the movie and I really yeah. love this movie, uh, The Perfect Storm. So Okay. Well, how can they reach us if they want to? You can reach us at hello at homeclassmoviechat.com. And if you want to send us an email there, we will respond to each and every email that you send to us. But yeah, you can definitely reach us out to us there. And uh, we've got some great movies coming up. Um, I know what we're going to do next week, but we're going to leave it for a surprise. And if you haven't already done so, please leave us a like and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you know someone else who enjoys movies, please feel free to share. We'd love to have them along for the conversation. Yep, because we're back, baby. We are back, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And that said, if you like the Big Bang Theory, we also have a Big Bang Theory podcast. Yes, PMS, Perpetual... Pardon me, Perpetual Motion Squad. So if you want to, if you love the Big Bang Theory, come to listen to us at Perpetual Motion Squad. You just can't get enough of us. Come on over to the Perpetual Motion Squad. (laughs) And if you really, really can't get enough of us, the Horror Crypt Podcast, which if you you love and adore all things horror, I've got a podcast there too. So the Horror Crypt Podcast, you can come and listen to me talk about all things horror. All right. Well, that being said, enjoy the rest of your popcorn and we'll see you next time at the movies. Bye, everyone. Bye.